0: Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight the incredible thought leaders and personalities in our community and discover who they are at home, at work, and in between. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio.
1: Hello and welcome to Diverse, a Swe podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on social media. Visit swe.org for more details. I'm Anne Perusik, Director of Editorial and Publications for the Society of Women Engineers, and I'm
2: Troy Eller English, Archivist for the Society of Women Engineers.
1: Our guest today is Melinda Luna. A licensed professional engineer and longtime SWE member, and a member of SWE's Latinos Affinity Group. Melinda is based in Austin, Texas, and in addition to being a civil engineer and holder of a PE license, Melinda has been interested in Texas history since childhood. She's applied her love of history to the field of civil engineering and embarked on a long term project to identify the very first women to receive their professional engineering licenses in each state. Her results were featured in an article called Uncovering the History of the First Women P.E.s, which appeared in the fall issue of SWE Magazine and which you can find at magazine.swe.org. Welcome, Melinda. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, Melinda, we are
2: very excited to have this conversation with you today. You've been a civil engineer for more than 30 years. You are a licensed professional engineer and a certified floodplain manager, and you're an active member of SWE and ASCE. But you're also very interested in history, and you write a column on Texas civil engineering history for the Texas Civil Engineer magazine. So to begin with, can you tell us a bit more about your background and how you gained this love of history? In
0: my job, which is mostly water resources, you do have to have an aspect of history. And then after that, when I was a very young engineer, I just got my license I was trying to better myself. I didn't have a mentor or anything else like that. So I reached out to someone and they told me that while I was growing tech, that I had to like expand my horizons. So they said I needed to read and research and write as a standard practice. So I started reading the ASC history for the Texas section, and it started off with civil engineering histories, starting with Aguayo's map. In Texas. And here's Aguayo's map. I don't know what it is. So I researched it. And I wrote a little article about it. And that was my very first article. And it was published and also uh, put out to help other students kind of appreciate history. So that's kind of how it all started. That was like 25 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. <laughs>
1: And you've done subsequent research since then, I would imagine, before you took on this project of researching the early civil engineers and identifying the first men PEs. Can you tell us a little about what inspired you to take on this project and maybe any personal motivations that might have really compelled you to explore this?
0: I think I think there was a lot of I guess, inspirations or maybe uh, sort of speak the universe telling me this had to be done. I read an article about Leah Moncor, who was the first professional engineer in Texas as a woman. And it happened pretty early, 1938. And so I wanted to see, of course, I knew the second woman in Texas didn't get her PE till 1953. So I wanted to see how She dealt with it being the only one. So I thought, well, maybe she was a member of Texas Society of Professional Engineers and the National Society of Professional Engineers. Maybe she had friends. (laughs) So I started to look at the states that had passed their Engineering Act before 1938 to see if she was the first because, you know, you never hear about that. And since the PE board in Texas had it on the website, I thought it was as easy it's just going to all the websites and getting that information. And of course, that didn't happen. So I thought, well, as easy as writing emails, so I said, okay, every every day I'll take three boards and and send them a nice email. And I even took the territories, not just the states. Of course, not hearing from the boards right away, or I reached out to friends, and I think it was one of the. I think when I got to like number thirty or 35, I finally just circled back and reached out to Society One Engineers, and that's how I met Troy. She helped a lot trying to get the list um, fulfilled, but I mean, there's still some work to be done. Like, I don't have Puerto Rico or a few of the other states, but for the most part, I think getting to 50 names was pretty good. So, and then I thought, well, the one thing I can do is get photos and good at that and I, I managed to get a lot of photos of the, the women because I think with a photo you can identify and then I started writing kind of like a little resume and started connecting with the people like if they were married or not married and that had children and, and things like that you know just age of when they died and you know finding those things out and and so I did a powerpoint and then eventually started writing paragraphs and things like that to kind of flesh it out. So it kind of happened organically. I mean, like it was three years (laughs) to get to this point. So, you know, before I had kind of stayed away from researching women because I, you know, being in a male dominated career, I didn't want to be labeled as only doing history for women. Can you tell us about some of the challenges you encountered
2: in Maybe some of the unexpected discoveries that you made?
0: Oh, I think the biggest challenge was names. When a woman gets married, they become Mrs. John Doe, you know, and so they lose their name in a way. And so for the married women, it was a little bit harder. I did search of a lot of newspaper articles. So often I would have to research their husbands to get to them. So, mm-hmm. and so that, there was like also, I think, um, Kind of like a, not knowing that it was significant. Like at the time, the first woman, uh, Gertrude Gerald Adams, who was the first GE in the U.S., and I proved that. So that was 1923. She, I think, got married. And and while she practiced some, she didn't practice that much. So I couldn't find, or at least it wasn't recorded. There was a scholarship in her name. And I did find out where she lived via tracking her husband, who also was a civil engineer. And also like not knowing who the first was or, you know, the boards don't track gender. So they would often give me names like Leslie and Mary and Carrie thinking that they were women. And then the first thing I would do is to check them out and they turned out to be men. (laughs) So
1: so. (laughs) it's probably at the time when they've even been considered to track by gender. You know, back in the times that you're mentioning some of those years, it just wouldn't have even been on anyone's radar or in their consciousness to track gender. I
0: don't know. I mean, like in Colorado, the state of Colorado, they had a watch almost like, uh, who's going to be the first woman PE? And that actually happened later, (laughs) but that people from Colorado went to be first in other states. so. I'm not sure of the thinking because I wasn't there. But anyway, as far as some of the unexpected discoveries, I was kind of hoping that there would be a Hispanic first engineer. And I think I was pretty far into it. And I hadn't gotten one. I I did have a Native American from Hawaii. And, um, you know, I would never expect the first Hispanic female that came across that got a first and her state would be Delaware. <laughs> 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 that just didn't match to me. You know, Selena Ugarta de Pinabla, she was from Nicaragua. And, you know, it was the 1960s. And not only did she have a bachelor's, she had a master's, and then she got a PhD. So that's incredible in earthquake engineering. And she founded SWE in Delaware. And, I mean, so it was just like, wow, not I couldn't have wished it better. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, there's some other ones, too. Like, uh, I was down to a couple of states, and I thought about, you know, the LBGT community and not having representation there. And Never in my wildest dreams would I think North Dakota would deliver that. Mm-hmm. But Greta Paulson identifies as female now, um, or back then when she got her PE. In the seventies, I mean, I I think for me, I just think of the women and how much more of a challenge they had than I had. But like I said, it's it was a story that needed to be told. You know, I think there's so many more discoveries to be, you know, that
1: are out there that we just have to look. Right, and I think as you said, it takes persistence, which you know, fortunately, you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you also discovered some other interesting information about early women civil engineers that are in Latin America, and can you tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yes, being you know Hispanic, I never thought that Latin America you know would be progressive, and you know the first female I came across was whose D C S Vada Cunamena, who's from Chile, and she was. Granted a professional engineering license in Shelley in 1913. So 10 years before the first woman in the US. And it was really funny because how I came across her name was a Google Doodle in January 14th. And so here's like uh, the universe also telling me that I should keep on studying it. You know, Google Doodle, (laughs) who would have thought? But, you know, she was mainly an engineer who worked on roads. And that's the thing about the Latin American female engineers or women engineers, is that they were a pretty diverse group, too. I mean, there was, you know, in the early on in 1913 and 1919 in Argentina, Elisa Beatriz fun. i I'm probably butchering her name, but she, you know, she was interested in hydroelectric power and bridges and, you know, the first woman in Mexico in 1930, Concepcion Mendoza. She was a traffic engineer. So, you know, diversity in like all colors, you know, like the Enidina Marquez in Brazil. She was an African Latina. So, you know, it was just, like I said, eye opening
1: for me because I've never heard of these people. I think that's why there's been such a large response to the article from the fall issue. I think it really resonated with a lot of people. And actually we've heard, as Troy said, from a few who've contributed some new and updated information. Yeah, and I think that really illustrates just how challenging this type of research is. So it must also be gratifying to see this interest in your work, Melinda, and to know that people want to offer what they can to help document the firsts or the seconds or the thirds, for that matter,
0: Yeah, I think it's good because really when I was writing about Lea Moncourt, what had been written in the past was basic information, not any of her engineering work. So I I worked to try to kind of bridge that gap. But, you know, like I said, it's the undocumented things that make it harder, or at least, you know, like during COVID, I couldn't really go anywhere. So I really was dependent on like newspaper archives, you know, both subscription-based stuff I paid for, and then free also. So it's just kind of overwhelming at times. But like I said, I just inch by inch, that's what what I said is today I found one photo and that was good enough to get me to, you know, the next time that I had a break to dedicate a couple hours to doing it at a time.
2: Yeah, I was very impressed with the amount of research that you put into it. And also, the roadblocks that you encountered, you know, each state registration board, you know, they have different record keeping practices, names were recorded differently and were interpreted differently over the years. So one example that we saw after the article was published was a correction to the first woman professional engineer in Vermont, And as it turned, so we were contacted by SWE fellow and life member Casey Norris, who was licensed in Vermont before the person that you had originally identified. But the state's database only listed the last time that her license was renewed. It did not list her by her the date that her license was first issued. So in their database, it looks like she started, you know, many years after when she did receive her PE. And then she is aware of at least two other women who were licensed before her, but she doesn't know that they're the first. So, you know, the next step for, you know, Vermont might be finding a list, probably in paper, probably in, you know, state archives somewhere with a chronological list of all the of every professional engineer's license that was issued in Vermont and looking for for names that appear to be a woman's. But again, as we've mentioned earlier, we know men who are named Leslie. Mm -hmm. I know a a woman named Daryl. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not foolproof. And you know it is a problem that we've run into before when doing historical Research on women in engineering, and Anne and I talked about some of these issues in a sweet podcast back in 2019, titled "The Trouble with Celebrating First," because it's not always easy to determine who the firsts were.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of them resonate with the, you know, different groups of people or different individuals. It's like, you know, someone asked me who I most identify with, and I said a whole bunch of them because. Each of their stories is kind of like, if you take all those stories and put them together, that's me. So, and, that, and that's what I hope that this does is, you know, whoever is reading it, or maybe they find someone that they can identify with, and, and maybe that's their inspiration to go into engineering, whatever facet they might be. But like I said, for me, it was kind of I, not finding myself so much as maybe being okay with myself, and I'm not as unusual is as, <laughs> as maybe I was led to believe
1: maybe more typical but. you know I really I really like the fact that you didn't you weren't content just to find out names and dates but that you were trying to flesh out and I think you're continuing to try to flesh out like the stories behind these women
0: well I think it was mostly you know I don't know if you know this but like to get a photo you had to really know about them like you know were they members of an organization or where they went to school at, you know, so you can maybe get a yearbook and get a photo of them when they were young. And I think that was kind of fun to watch. Like Elsie Eves, who's a, one of the founders of Society of Women Engineers. I thought she was the first PE in New York, but that was proven wrong. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I kind of wanted her to be the first just because she was the first at a lot of other things. And she seemed real How do you say spunky in her photos and young? And I wish I could have met her.
1: She has a fascinating story and I I can see why you wanted her to be the first. But the funny thing about this is that for a long time, she was regarded as the first and she herself, you know, made it clear, no, I'm not. So it's just very problematic to discover and celebrate the first, but it's also very worthwhile to do so. And I think as you discovered, sometimes you found out who the second or the third was. And I think there's a lot we can learn from their stories too, because even if someone has cleared a path by being the first, that doesn't mean that the pathway of the second or the third woman was really any easier and all of it's pioneering work.
0: No, you know, I think that there was a first and then there was a lag a lot of the times to the second or the third, like in Texas, you know, 1938, then 1953, that third was 1956. So you see that same story, it takes about 30 years to get three. (laughs) So, you know, it's not great. One might
1: as well have been the first, you know. (laughs) Yeah,
0: or the first that anyone can remember. So I mean, like, you know, what's wrong with putting out information out there that says we think she's the first and then finding out she wasn't, but then we get all these other names. And often like um, Elsie Eves, I had like all her information put together. And then I got the real, well, what we think is the real first at this point (laughs) that I had to do all the research all over again, but that's fine. I mean, like two steps forward, one step back. I'm good with that. So, you know, I think that, like I said, there's a lot of stories to be told. And along the way, I, I saw a lot of second or third stories that should be told, I think. And like the first woman professor in engineering or, you know, one that was an aeronautical engineer, but a pilot at the same time. Like Irene Ryan in Alaska, I mean, she was a real spitfire. And um, (laughs) she ended up going into politics and really making a difference in how Alaska was developed. One of the things, though, we talk about the differences, but one of the things I'd like to talk about is the similarities And I think the one thing that I saw was they all seemed to love engineering. Whatever they were going into, that's what they really wanted to do. Otherwise, how could they stand all the challenges and and things in their way, including having a family? Um, Often, some of the engineers that I saw, the woman, uh, they would give up getting their master's degree at the time so their husband could go. And, and get his degree because back then you know you did come second a lot of the times if they didn't have room you know they would ask you to defer later on so and then having a family of course and that takes some time too but in the end they got their master's degree or their Ph.D. and they taught or they designed or whatever it is they wanted to do but you know that's just the way I guess it happened for them but the average age of a the first professional engineer was much older than it is today. So I think for me, that's a a sign of uh, change, you know, where a woman is much younger nowadays, not her second career. Yeah.
2: So where is the project going to go from here? And what else do you want to do with this information?
0: Well, I'm trying to compile it into one document. And I guess my idea is kind of like, have, like, a at least one page of each woman. Like, say, if a woman engineer wants to go talk to, I don't know, someone in Indiana, they would have a source to go to kind of mm-hmm. know something about Indiana women or maybe adjacent states and stuff like that. Or maybe they're going to, to talk about Hispanic awareness. It would be a quick way as a tool for like women to kind of go or, you know, whoever wants to study it because it's not just women. So, publishing it next year, I think in a way celebrating what I think is the first, what I'm pretty sure is the first woman to get their PE 100th year anniversary next year. And uh, I don't know, we'll see. I'm going to probably take a little breather like I usually do on big projects like this and then see what I come across. Maybe it's it's the celebration of the seconds. (laughs) 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 So because that I think there's no... I think there's no wrong in publishing biographies of women where someone can go and connect with, and maybe that's their inspiration to go into engineering and and they go on to do great things. You know, thinking back to when I was a little girl and my parents telling me there wasn't any women and I look around and there wasn't, (laughs) (laughs) I think of that little girl, maybe that's somewhere out there that's going through some other thing and maybe she. Google's women engineers and comes across my work and gets 50 or so thrown at them. (laughs) And, and, and they're like, Oh, my parents are not right. (laughs) So anyway, doing it for really that situation and, you know, just trying to contribute really.
1: I mean, you've really shared so much with us about your process and all of the things that made you feel, I would say like compelled to do this. Is there anything else you'd like to add? No, just if someone's interested in uh,
0: women in engineering, pick one <laughs> and start writing <laughs> or researching and find someone that'll write it for you or, or something like that. Just think of it. If each one of us took one person, how much more information there'd be out there to share and maybe help inspire the next woman to you know, go on into engineering and and maybe make a significant contribution.
2: Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. And I've really enjoyed the conversation.
0: I have too. And I hope whoever's listening, they get something out of it too, and maybe inspired to (laughs) research or write one of
1: those uncovered history women out
0: there that I'm not too familiar with.
1: So, Melinda, I just want to say, I also really enjoyed our conversation. (laughs) Also, just to add for our listeners, recently, the SWE Latinos Affinity Group hosted an event, and it's on a topic that I think many people will um, find very interesting, called Getting the Job Done, Sin Marte, which means without burnout. And the recording is available on demand in the Advanced Learning Center, which would be Advanced Learning at SWE.org. So I think you'd like most people would probably like to check that out. And also, if you want to learn more about Melinda's findings, please visit the SWE Magazine site at magazine.swe.org and look for the fall issues feature articles. And there you'll find Uncovering the History of the First Women PEs. And I might add that the article includes A list of all the states and all the first that Melinda was able to uncover. So it's a very, very extensive and very fascinating. So, on
2: behalf of myself, Anne, and everyone else at SWE, thanks for
0: listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your social network. You can keep up to date with our podcast on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast and on our blog, all together at altogether.swe.org.